today by saying this. We're going to have a panel discussion regarding the series that we're currently in called The Love of God. Today's subject is extraordinary things. Say it with me. Extraordinary things. And we're going to do this in such a way that we get to hear their thoughts on what extraordinary things might mean to them. So I want to introduce our panel to you today. First of all, to my left, your right, is Kent Crakes. He is an incredible man that has been with us for a long time. All of these actually have been. And then to my immediate left, your right, is Shaviv Padgett. To my right, your left, is Jacob Hyde. He has not had to be concerned with barbers being closed. He simply shaves it and then goes on. And then immediately to my right is Genevieve Glasgow. And we are so blessed and thankful. Come on, put your hands together. They have no idea what questions they're going to be asked today. Everything I ask them today, their answers are going to be just as fluid as yours will be as you hear the questions you're not aware of. So keep that in mind. I want them, I've asked them when they answer these questions to uh, take a moment to consider it. Uh, There are no wrong answers. So as we go through this and go through these questions and speak of extraordinary things, what you're going to find is that each of them or you may actually have a different answer to the question that I ask. All your answers are going to be right. So appreciate what you hear them saying and weigh it up beside what you might say and find the truth in the middle of all of that for you where you are today. So I want to begin in this way by making this statement. Loving something, in fact I want everybody to say that with me, loving something something or someone, someone. and and before we go further, (laughs) when I say I want everybody to say it, that means not only us. If you're on the other side of the lens, as far as I'm concerned, you are here. So say the same thing. So let's say it again. Loving something something or someone someone often compels us us to do extraordinary extraordinary or out of the ordinary ordinary things. things. Love Love compels. Love compels. Love compels us to do what and how. So I'm going to ask a general question and I'm going to let any of these four answer that question or all. So your first question today is this, and and remember uh, we're going to speak real loud so that they can hear all the way back there. First question is this, what are some examples or what is an example of an extraordinary thing that happened in scripture that comes to mind to you? Who would like to go? I'll go first. This is Genevieve. She's going first. Um, An extraordinary story or compilation in the Bible that is interesting to me is um, the woman with the issue of blood and how Yeshua felt her tug 
on him. Mm -hmm. And I've always wondered if that was a literal tug or if that was something in her tugging to Yeshua. Mm -hmm. And Yeshua for me is obviously someone who I'm always, how did he do that? How can I do that? When will I be able to do that? Mm -hmm. um, and the fact that she had a issue with blood could mean many, many, many things because that's family, that's friends, that's, you know, there's a lot of transference and communication through blood and that always, you know, captures me. What was the issue? Mm -hmm. And Yeshua healed that in her and what impact did she have after that? Mm, that's really good. Because you think about it, you know, you got to ask, our, we need to ask ourselves, how compelled would we be? Because at the moment, was there any love of God in her to even demonstrate that act of faith? Had love settled in yet? Or was it curiosity? What existed there? Did anything exist there? Or did she react based on things that she had heard without yet developing a sense of love or connection to this man Christ? Anybody else? I think the, um, the story that in the Bible that was extraordinary to me that I can think of right offhand is the story of uh, David and Goliath. And if you think about that, the courage that Yahweh gave to him to do what he did mm -hmm. and the faith yes. to do what he did, mm -hmm. it was extraordinary. And mm -hmm. we all have things in our life that are extraordinary or that, I guess, the giant in our life that we need to slay. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's, um, it's hard to, to slay that giant. Mm -hmm. You have to have a lot of faith. Yeah. You have to have a lot of uh, courage, I guess. Mm -hmm. And I guess the thing that, that we need to do is just make sure that uh, we let Yahweh do that. Mm -hmm. um, I always get tickled at my wife. She's always saying, um, uh, help me, Yahweh. Help me, Yahweh. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, I'll be in the other room and I'll hear her say, help me, Yahweh. And I, I don't know what she's doing, but she wants help. And so it's not your fault she's saying that. <laughs> but me as a man, I'm always thinking, oh, I can do that by myself. I don't, I don't need Yahweh's help. But, but you do. And, and that's, that's the story that really stuck out at me. And what's good about that too, I think, Kent, is that when you think, it's easy for us when we think of David and Goliath. It's really easy for us to, to draw the assumption or our own reality that that was his only giant. But Saul was a giant to him. The Philistines as a whole were a giant to him. Even Jonathan became a giant to him. Bathsheba was a giant to him. And we think all through our relationships and all through our living, all of us that are alive today, every day that we get up, the, we might slay a giant today and then we might have another one tomorrow. And sometimes we need to ask ourselves, am I going to approach this one or am I going to run from this one? David should have run from the giant of Bathsheba and run to the giant of the Philistines. And he forgot when to run and when to approach. And so we need Holy Spirit to really help us to know which giants to approach and which giants to ignore. Mm -hmm. My story um, that stuck out to me would be the woman at the well. 
And I just love that Yeshua went to her and she wasn't beautiful. She wasn't, you know, perfect and had all of her boxes ticked and didn't have everything in order. He just went to her and offered her a different option. And mm -hmm. I just love that because all, he also did that for me. And thank you, Yahweh, yes. because what a difference it makes when you do receive that living water. But I just love that you don't have to be perfect, that you, mm -hmm. you can become perfect and mature in Christ. Amen. But there is an opportunity for you and you don't have to show up at the door just perfect. Mm, that's good. It's great too that when you're standing there at the well, or in this, in your case, that you the story you're referring to that's extraordinary. Standing at the well, it's it's good to know that he's not he's looking for a way to get you out, mm -hmm. not to yes. keep you in. Yes. He's looking for a way to lead you from where you are mm -hmm. to a place of fulfillment where there is living water, uh, not where there's just water that provides you for the next hour and a half. Mm -hmm. um, that's the kind of Christ we serve. Did you have a story you wanted to share, Jacob? Yeah. Um, mine was a little different. Mine was more of like an, <clears throat> pardon me, an action movie. Uh, I thought of Elijah and the prophets of Baal. So it's like 450 prophets of Baal, false prophets, uh, versus one man. And he was saying, like, it was basically the uh, my dad can beat up your dad scenario. And, uh, and so it really just it kind of exemplified Yahweh's power in that. Um, so they had two sacrifices, and the prophets of Baal would... Uh, try to get uh, fire to come down and, and to burn up the sacrifice, right? So whoever's uh, sacrifice was on fire, that's who the true God was. And so they danced around uh, their sacrifice for days and, and cut themselves and, and Elijah sat back and just watched and laughed at him, made fun of him. He taught him. Oh, he did. He yeah, said, he was yeah, like, maybe, oh, maybe you're Where's he sleeping. at? Yeah, is he asleep? <laughs> yeah. He's watching, watching Captain Marvel? <laughs> and then it was his turn and what he did with his sacrifice was he dug a trench, like a 1,200-foot uh, trench around right. his sacrifice and soaked it in water, soaked it in water, like, I think they said, like, uh, three or 12 pitchers full or something to represent the uh, 12 tribes of Israel. But um, when he called on the fire, when he, when he looked at Yahweh, Yahweh answered immediately, and fire came down and, and burned up the sacrifice oh, yeah. in the water, and it said, licked up the water. Yeah, uh, it, it just it just showed Yahweh's power, and I think that's what attracted me the most when I think of extraordinary. It is, and, and again, all, wow, wow, these are great stories, because when you think, even that story, each of you are making me think of little side paths around in, into the middle of these, and for that one, I think of, with all of those men that were cutting themselves, they were so frustrated that their quote-unquote God was not responding to their sacrifice moment, to their, hey, this is your moment, where are you at? And he wasn't showing up. They begin to cut themselves and get frantic. How many times has religion does that? Religion is quick to destroy when, think, when they don't get their answers, but the kingdom of God lives on because our, our living isn't about getting the answer right now. Our living is simply about saying, we trust you and you will come through every single time. The prophets of Baal prayed for days and did not get a response. Elijah prayed a 63-word prayer and the Father consumed the sacrifice and all the water that was in the trenches. It's amazing. Incredible, incredible examples, each of you that you shared today. So what I want to do is I want to read this morning out of Philippians. If you're following along in the Bible app, you can follow along with us this morning. But I want to read uh, the uh, few verses in Philippians chapter 2. They're really paying an incredible story of an extraordinary moment that uh, happened not for one man, not for a, not even a single nation, but for every single person that would ever breathe breath. And this extraordinary thing, this extraordinary moment that took place 
for the love of God really exemplifies what it means to have complete confidence in the creator of all of us. And this is what the scripture says. In Philippians 2, beginning with verse 5, it says this. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to simply be grasped, but instead emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at that name of Jesus... Every knee should bow, both in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So what an incredible, what an extraordinary moment for Christ to make the decision to do what He did in obedience to the Father for the love of God. I want to ask some questions, and I'm going to begin asking the panel some questions. They are completely unprepared for these questions I'm going to ask them. These are going to be fluid responses. They are random to them, not so much to me. So I'm going to begin with Shaviv, and I'm going to ask you this. Considering the extraordinary steps that Christ took for the love of God, what does Christ's willingness to go to a cross for the love of God say to you about Jesus Christ being extraordinary? Whoa. That He is a true son. That He, whoa, just loves His daddy so much that He is willing to obey, even though He knows it's going to hurt, even though He knows it's going to cost something. That is, that's extraordinary. That and it's not so likely, funny. it's not likely that uh, he had not considered, wow, yes. this is huge. Mm -hmm. this, this is more than extraordinary. This is un unworldly right. for me to even be considered mm -hmm. that I'm going to have to die this gruesome death, and it's more gruesome. People had died on crosses before, mm -hmm. but they had never died on crosses like this. Mm -hmm. They had never been in a situation where nails, they had been, they had been killed with ropes. They had never been, had, nails had never been driven in a hand or in feet. Spears had never been thrust in the side. Thorns had never been put on a head. Yeah. Whips had never been put on the back all at the same time. Mm -hmm. So that is incredibly extraordinary. Yes. Thank you. Yes. Kent, what makes this extraordinary to you? Well, if you stop and think about it, as a human being, who would you die for? Mm -hmm. and, and here mm. you have Jesus dying for us and and I don't really know I mean did he know from his birth that he was going to be dying for us or did that come to him later I, I mean I don't he know did. Yeah. so you know mm. to, to all of a sudden his father saying son 
you're going to have to die for all these people out there. You know, that's extraordinary. It yeah. is. And let's, let's say, for instance, Kent, that he did know that in 2020 or 20 or whatever year, not you didn't just get saved, but whatever year you got saved, let's say he did know or whatever year you were born. Mm -hmm. Let's say he did know that you were going to be born on that day. And yet to still make the decision knowing that it was going to be a couple thousand years later before you would arrive. And he's still willing to do something for a man that he had to trust. When my daddy breathes into this guy, at some point he's going to look to me as his savior. That is so extraordinary to be willing to go to that extent to do this. Genevieve, what is extraordinary enough? Are you ready for this? I'm ready. Are you sure? No. What? <laughs> What is extraordinary enough to cause you to reflect on what he did more than just on Sunday mornings? I mean, what is it a Sunday morning consideration that Jesus died for us? What, how, what, is it extraordinary enough to make you think about it? Do you have to reflect on this more than just when we gather with other people that love him like we do? Is it powerful enough to make you think about it when you're gathered with people who don't know him at all? And why? Um, I believe it is powerful enough to, you know, impact your life and impact your thoughts beyond Sunday morning. But for me, um, I feel that I'm always looking to see how he moved through those moments of knowing, but still making those steps to get there. And so I feel like I, I try and you know, have that impact in my thoughts. You know, I have this big thing coming up. I have this thing taking up my time. But here's a woman tugging on me. I have to push that aside and focus on this. Um, so I do think it's extraordinary enough to impact how we move through life versus, you know, that one example. Because just like you were talking about the giant you know, we face different giants. Everyone faced different giants. Mm -hmm. It's a, it's the same power that he has had in that moment that we can take into our life and be the church to mm -hmm. that person. That's really good. So when you, when you think of your daily living, the moments you take from day to day, the moments you live from day to day on your job and what you do, you're looking at ways that you're relating that whether it's a Tuesday or a Wednesday or a Saturday morning, I'm relating, I think of what Christ did and the woman that tugged on his robe. I'm thinking of if he can take time to do that, I can take time too in recognition yes. of the extraordinary things that he did uh, to provide for this inconvenient moment. Mm -hmm. right. It's good. It's really good. Mm -hmm. Jacob, what does it mean in verse 7 to you that he emptied himself? Let me read it again. Verse 7 says this. He emptied himself by taking the form of a servant and being born in the likeness of men. He emptied himself. What does that mean to you? It sounds like he got off the throne and then put wow. on robes wow. of a servant. To, he emptied himself of, of what felt good and what was mm -hmm. uh, fancy. Or I don't know. I'm thinking in the, in the kingdom, in, in when he was with the Father, he emptied himself of everything that he had there mm -hmm. to be in the form of a man. To, uh, so that he could, uh, I think scripture says that he sympathizes with our weaknesses it does, yeah. because he took on the form of a man. And so now um, we have him. Um, yeah, I think that's... that's because by empty, emptying himself, he relinquished right. everything. Mm -hmm. He relinquished 
as soon as he said, not going to the cross is in me, so I'm going to empty myself of not going to the cross for man, and I'm going to fill myself with the need to go to the cross for man because that's what my father wants. And I remember in the Garden of Gethsemane, he says, uh, not my will, but your will be done. That's right. Does it, sound, it sounds like he had a different will. And right. then he emptied himself of that to do the Father's will. That's exactly right. He considered, mm-hmm. man, this is not a cakewalk. <laughs> you know, this isn't a party. I'm not going to a party. There's not going to be bells and whistles, and people aren't going to be blowing horns, at least not for me. And he had to consider all of that. Good, good, good answer. Uh, Genevieve, back to you. So I'm going to read verse 8 again, and I want you to tell me how does becoming obedient relate to being humble? humble how does being obedient or becoming obedient relate to being humble and this is what verse 8 says and being found in human human form he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death being found in human form he humbled himself by becoming obedient even unto death how does becoming obedient relate to being humble I believe it still relates to emptying yourself. I feel like that is, mm-hmm. it goes in the same vein because, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about my life. I can think of a scenario where I was an adult. I could make my own choice and my father asked me, could you do this? And I remember being around a group of friends and they're like, you're an adult. You don't have to listen to him. What is the, you know, what is the big deal? <laughs> but I... I honor him mm-hmm. yeah. and yes. I was humbled to say you know what I'm gonna step away from the situation I'm gonna go and help my father and I feel that um, it's that emptying your will you mm-hmm. know it's not about me right now it's about the yes. situation so I have to go um, and it may not be for everybody in this room it's for that relationship alone mm-hmm. that's good and we so many times as humans we think about ourselves in this regard we think that there's nobody I don't know that I've ever met anybody if I ask them are you full of pride they've said oh absolutely (laughs) I'm full of it I'm full of pride I've never met anybody like that and yet I've met a lot of people that are Mm -hmm. at least from perspective and or perception and relationship relationally would know that but I think in response to your answer or added to that I would say and I think this is what you're saying as well is that I don't believe that it's possible to be full of myself and be humble at the same time Mm -hmm. it's not possible to possess pride to the extent that I'm never wrong and be humble at the same time and if there's no humility it's not possible to be obedient because he's always going to ask things of us that require us to move into humility. His requests will always require us to find a humble place within ourselves or in our response. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Um, Good answer. Good answer. So, Shaviv, is it really possible... Is it really possible Mm -hmm. to take on the mind or the mental awareness uh, that Jesus Christ possessed? 
Absolutely. But you have to consider, and it's going to cost you something. Like. A lot of things. <laughs> well, if you are going to be putting on the mind of Christ, you have to take away your, maybe even sometimes your personality, your wants, your what you think you're, uh, you deserve, what you think you have earned, all these things. And you have to really consider what would a, a son do who's willing to say yes at any cost mm. and when you do that it's like you just take this human mind and see you later and the mind of Christ comes in and just overtakes every cell of your body like I just I can feel it like just emerging mm. or whatever the word is you know what it is you got <laughs> yeah I do I do have goosebumps because it's so power, powerful when you take yourself out of the equation because we think we're so smart and maybe you are super smart but that's not what Christ is asking for. He's right. not asking for your intelligence. He's asking for your heart. Ooh, that's good. And so that's my answer. That's good. That is, it is really, when you think about it, again, it kind of connects to what the same answer that Genevieve gave. Because when you think about the mind of Christ and humility, or mm -hmm. the mind of Christ and obedience, um, it's easy to say, I would in this situation, I would in that situation, I would, until I'm in that situation and I don't. Right. Um, exactly. And so really when we think about the mind of Christ, he too, like Jacob said a while ago, he too, when he was in the garden, he, when the father said, will you go because you're the only spotless one that I can send that can redeem mankind. Wow. Mm -hmm. You're the second Adam. And if I send you, only you can uh, wipe away the sins of the world yeah. if man will receive you. And it's an extraordinary thing, son, that I'm asking you to do. Yes, father, I will do that. Mm -hmm. And in his mind, there was a commitment there. But in the garden, there was this consideration that is this the only way? Mm -hmm. is, right. is maybe, is there another answer? Mm -hmm. um, and yet he knew that there was not, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. So he had to take and in his mind be settled on, mm -hmm. I'm not backing up. Right. I will be obedient. And I'm going to be humble because mm -hmm. death requires the decision to go into death yes. voluntarily mm -hmm. requires a tremendous amount of humility. And death isn't always defined by being put on a cross. Sometimes it's simply for some of us, dying is simply shedding just a little bit of, it feels like death just to not be full of pride mm -hmm. just for a moment. Mm -hmm. So Kent, oh. you ready? <laughs> so... Verse 10 says, because of his obedience, which was in every way extraordinary, that God highly exalted him. So how is it possible for us, for you and me, to be equally as extraordinary? Or is it? And is it possible? Because of his obedience, God highly exalted him. Son, wow, that was amazing. And I'm going to exalt you. And at by your name, because of your name, and only through your name, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess. Is it possible for us to be equally as extraordinary? Uh, yeah, not, well, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> equally means the same. Uh, I think we can get close to that. I don't know if we can be it's good. perfect, it's good. But, but we can get close. Um, and how you do that, I guess, is just by obeying, just by, mm -hmm. you know, doing what uh, you think Yahweh wants you to do. I mean, to, to be 
I keep telling my wife I'm perfect all the time, but she says I'm not. So <laughs> I do not believe that. <laughs> Nobody believes that, kid. <laughs> but uh, yeah, to be the to be exactly the same as Yahweh in that situation, I don't know if you can get there, but maybe you can. <laughs> I want to add to that because I think that I think it it depends on what part of that we're looking at. Why was he highly exalted? If we look at verse 10 again, and let me read it again, it says, at the name, uh, let's see, um, oh, verse 9, it should have been verse 9. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. He highly exalted him. If we look at that, that God, highly, Yahweh, highly exalted him, we have to ask ourselves this question. Why was he highly exalted? Because he died on a cross or because he was obedient. The, the obedience is what we can equally measure up to. Yes. We're not being asked to equally die on a cross. Yeah. We are being asked to equally be obedient. Mm -hmm. yeah. And so the Father asked of him, uh, I'm going to highly exalt you because you were obedient. The death on the cross was what followed your obedience. But he will never ask that of you and me. If you're watching, you that are watching, understand, he's never going to ask you or me to lay ourselves, present ourselves to the Romans or to the cultures, the religious or not, to be hung on a cross for the sins of anyone because it's not going, it won't work out well. He won't ask us to do that. That's done. That has been done. It has been completed. What he will ask of us is to be obedient in equal measure that Christ was. He's going to ask things. He asked his son to be obedient unto death because it was something that Jesus Christ was capable of giving. There was an outcome to that that would provide the answer, the worship of the Father that the Father was looking, the reconciling, the reconciliation to the Father that He was looking for. He would not ask us. Whatever He asks you and me, just as Kent said, and He's right, there's, in some ways we can be equally uh, attentive to that and, and, and measured against that, but in other ways we cannot. And He will not ask us to be obedient to anything that he knows there will not be a, an answer that is full of life in the end because he understands if he's asking us for it and we're obedient to it, it in our world might cost us the same thing. It costs Christ his life, but for some of us, let's be honest with ourselves, for some of us today, simply being obedient enough to say, I forgive you is in an equal measure what it took for Christ to go to the cross and again we it all literally points back to how do I see myself do I see myself as uh, one who is um, I have all the answers or one who needs them and when they come to me I'll walk them out so it's how we see that. Let's look at Mark chapter 12, verse 30. These are great. You guys are doing amazing. Just want to remind you real quick, keep talking loud just so they can hear you all the way in the back. 
So let's look at Mark 12, verse 30 in the English Standard Version, and it reads like this. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. With all your heart, and that's not enough. With all your soul, that's not enough. With all your mind, that's not enough. And with all your strength. With everything you are, you shall love the Lord your God. Jacob, considering these words of Christ, he actually said this. Considering, or at least something like that, more in the Greek. But considering these words that we read just now in Mark 12, what would you consider to be an extraordinary decision that you have made personally? For your love of God. Oh man, uh, that's uh, get ready for the tears. <laughs> now, well, when you think about that, it's saying, yeah, yes. it took tears. Um, well, I've, one, you're saying one decision. <laughs> yeah. That's a daily thing, but um, well, that's a good answer right there. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, I mean, leaving my personally, I left my family. My family's about eight. <sighs> you're doing great. Yes. yes. Would do this to me. It's all good. It's all good. It's great. It's great. Uh, so no, I, I left my family. Thanks, dude. Tissues uh, out of the screen. The Lord right hands. Uh, they just flowed in. No, I, uh, I I I moved uh, states from my family, so my family's you know in a different state, and so you know that took uh that took some you know yeah. some some soul in there, some emotions, yes. and uh, some strength, some action. I, and it could, if you could put the verse back up there. Um, I don't want to derail, but uh, so, so that was a, a big decision for me, and to not necessarily just go, but to stay here. Yes. Um, it's been, been great, but it's been tough, too. Uh, then making friends here, and then having to, so whenever I, I, I moved here, I moved away, I worked at Disney, and then I made some really good friends there. And then Yahweh told me to leave those friends, and that was, mm. that was tough. Mm. So, um... <coughs> So, to expound on the verse, I don't know if they can see it up there, but um, I, when I saw your heart, it, 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 mm -hmm. I saw it as um, your motives. When I saw your soul, I saw like your emotions. And then uh, with your mind, it's like what, your, your thoughts, what you choose to think about mm -hmm. and, or choose to dwell on. And then with your strength, I see it as your actions. So it takes all of that to, to really fully walk true. out obedience mm -hmm. uh, and, um, and true obedience. Because really, I mean, Yahweh, Yahweh looks at that heart. He's like, what's your motive right. in this? What's the underlying yes. reason why you're doing things? And so, you know, if it's really, it's like, because you deserve it. Mm -hmm. Because you deserve my obedience. Yes. Because when we were still enemies, Christ died for us. Mm -hmm. when, we were still, or when we were still sinners, rather. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's, it's a combination of all kinds of things, man. It's, it's, it's dying to yourself every day or... You know that, that that old phrase, but um, so you didn't move here because you love people you didn't know. Right. You moved here for the love of God, right. and it's an extraordinary. It is an extraordinary thing to leave yes. your family, leave your common place. It yes. is an extraordinary thing to be to be um, Abraham mm -hmm. and leave the land of your fathers yes. and go into a land that you did not know. It is an extraordinary thing to leave that place. Mm -hmm. And, and for the love of God. Well said. Thank you for being raw um, yes. and personal. And this is raw. If you're watching, this is raw. Again, they, they have no idea the questions um, 
that I'm asking them. Does anyone else want to add anything here about maybe you? Um, I'll say um, one situation for me was when I married my husband. And I was, I didn't know it, but my whole life I was basically my mom's shadow. And I love her, and it's Mother's Day, Happy Mother's Day. <laughs> but, you know, it's this, that's not the point. The point is, whatever she said, I did. And when I made the choice to say I do, I chose to come and be covered by a man that I trusted with my whole heart. And because of that, it was very, very difficult because I was so used to hearing her voice. And whatever she said, even if I didn't really agree with it, I would go with it because I was comfortable. And now I have this strong, amazing man who is like saying the opposite of what I've ever done. <laughs> and it's amazing, but it, that was really difficult for me to kind of navigate this place where now I'm not I'm not only am I a daughter, I'm a wife, and I'm a wife first. And mm. that is where, mm. that's where my safety is. And he loves and honors Yahweh, so I know that I'm good to go. And so that was just a, thank you, that's honey. Great. I love you. I bless you. <laughs> her husband is running the whole camera, so if it's all good, it's, it's her husband's fault this morning. If it's all bad, still his fault. <laughs> Anybody want to add anything to that? Anybody else? Well, I'll just say one thing real quick. Dave is, is an extraordinary thing to me was when I got saved. Yeah. And I, I was very young, and, and I know it was personal to me at the time, mm -hmm. but I had a lot of growing to do over the last 50, 60 years. So, mm. so that was an extraordinary event for me, just, just getting saved. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's good. And I remember, Kent, I don't know that I've ever told you this, but I'm going to go ahead and tell it. But I remember, I don't know how many years, how much time had passed, but when your wife came to the rock, quite some time before you did. But I will never forget, and I've used her story, I've preached it in other churches, referred to this. Every week when she would write a tithe check, this was not supposed to be an emotional moment, but it's kind of becoming, I'm sorry. But uh, every week she would put her tithe in or her offering envelope, her cash in her envelope. And she would bring it up there and every week she would put your name on it. Mm -hmm. Every week she would write, pray for my husband. Pray for my husband. Pray for my husband. Every week when she brought that tithe and offering, she believed that though you knew God and loved God, she wanted you to know God and love God together. Mm -hmm. And in, I don't know how long it was that she did that, but the day you walked in these doors yeah. and I saw God answer yeah. that obedience because she did that out of obedience, yeah. not understanding what it would look like, but watching you walk in the door. Wow, what, a, what an amazing day that was. So you're right. It is an extraordinary thing when we think back on the moment that he visited us. He was always waiting, but there was a moment where he visited us, and those are incredible, uh, incredible moments. So, Shaviv, in relationship to what Kent just said, would, to you, would repenting be considered extraordinary? Hmm. <laughs> I'm thinking about some things, situations. Um... I think in the very beginning of my walk, it would be it would be extra, 
extraordinary. I don't want to say those as two words. I, but now, I mean, I don't really have anything to repent for, but in the beginning when I was so raw and had so many things that needed changing, I think that I would be like, whoa, you know, I have to humble myself. I have to get away from myself to say, yes, there are some things going on. So yeah, that would be a big deal for me. That really makes sense because if I think about it too, in light of what you're saying, that's not the answer I thought was going to come out, but it was the, a good answer and a right answer, again, in relationship to what Kent said, and love your socks, Kent. And, but in relationship to that, I'm thinking um, I fully and completely agree because I think the moments that repentance is the most extraordinary require, it, th that it's an extraordinary moment is when we're repenting and we don't believe we're wrong. Mm -hmm. We don't believe we have something to repent for, but we're right. repenting because other people, in order for them to mm -hmm. get to the right place, we think, for them to get to the right place, I'm going to go ahead and repent, only to find out that my repentance was necessary more for me to get to the right place. Mm -hmm. And um, so at one point, repentance is, especially in, again, back to what Kent said, when I came to Christ and I said, you are the son of God mm -hmm. and I repent that's extraordinary because I'm, I'm realizing I'm, I'm about to give into the hands of one I've never seen never right. touched right. my full complete trust mm -hmm. in faith and then when we bring it into the natural that's a spiritual thing when we bring it into the natural and we're repenting to a husband to a wife to a son a daughter a friend a f whoever mm -hmm. even a foe and we might go to them and repent um, there are moments that that's extraordinary, but as we go along in life and we have relationship with the Father, repentance becomes at some point so easy, it ought to become a part of our life. Our mind has changed, our spirit has changed, our thoughts have changed, our heart has changed, so it's no longer extraordinary. It's a matter of this is the right thing to do, and I don't even have to consider whether or not to do it. That's a really, a really good answer too. Thank you. Genevieve, what about forgiving those that you would rather hate? Is that extraordinary? Is that extraordinary? Is that extraordinary? <laughs> <laughs> Girl. It is extraordinary. It what is, is extraordinary about that? What is extraordinary? Um, it is... Uh, and I'm not saying... Let me right. say, I'm, I'm going to interrupt. I'm not saying anybody wants to hate anybody. Right. But right. some people are just easy to dislike mm -hmm. a lot. Right. And uh, so let's rephrase that. Forgiving those that it's just easy to dislike or you want to keep distance from because they've hurt you. Mm -hmm. Go ahead. Um, I believe it is a very extraordinary thing because you have that ownership feeling of they hurt me mm -hmm. and I have no place, they have no place in my life, they have no right. It's, it's protection, you know, and some aspects for unforgiveness can be protection. Mm -hmm because you don't want to be hurt again, mm -hmm. and you don't want to give them the idea that it's all good. Mm -hmm. It's all good. Because right. it's not good. But I believe that's where you, you have that mind of Christ. That I believe forgiveness is supernatural. It is not, mm -hmm. I'm going to make this joke. Like It is a supernatural thing to me. It has yeah. been a supernatural thing. So mm -hmm. it is nothing that is taken lightly it is nothing that right. is um mm. i'll do it today i won't do it tomorrow it is a supernatural healing that comes to the person yes. who can give forgiveness mm -hmm. yes. um Amen. and i do believe that it is a very extra ordinary thing 
It is, and, and you know, we often use the statement that I think is used inaccurately, and that is we encourage people to forgive and forget. And then sometimes we, again, inaccurately apply that statement to Christ, uh, that when he forgives, he casts our sins as far away as the east is from the west. All of that is true, but there's nothing in there about forgetting. And in fact, he didn't forget. In fact, all through the New Testament, we'll find where Jesus always referred, many times, referred back to previous moments in someone's life to remind them from where they had come. Mm-hmm. And, and in doing that, uh, I think that that's what makes it extraordinary for us to forgive those who sometimes are just easier to dislike or at least keep some distance from because they've hurt us, they've wounded us, whatever, whatever it might be. They, they took our job, whatever it might be, or, or built their fence on my yard, whatever it might be. And you just don't like them. They kicked your dog. And so whatever the reason might be, great or small, it's extraordinary in, in that regard because there's a need to forgive while also remembering what they have done because you don't suddenly there's no I've never I don't know about you that are watching today but maybe it's happened to you it's never happened to me every person that I remember forgiving for anything I have never forgotten what I've forgiven them for so if I'm being religious about it I have to ask myself did I really get saved because Somehow I still remember what they did, even though I forgave them. Yes, I'm saved. Yes, I'm in relationship with the Father. The extraordinary thing is that I'm forgiving them. Sometimes I have to forgive them more than once. Every day I get up and it comes to mind, I have to forgive again. I forgave. What I need to remember is I've forgiven them. Remember, you forgave them. It's, It's an extraordinary thing to be able to render forgiveness a forgiving heart to those who have hurt us come against us defied us or put us in a position to even require forgiveness at all it can be an extraordinary thing that's uh, thank you very good answer Kent is (laughs) is loving the Lord your God with all your heart soul and mind an extraordinary thing is it extraordinary to love him with everything that we are and if so why well, it's extraordinary, but if it's easy too. I mean, it's an extraordinary thing for you to have that kind of love, but it's an easy thing to do if you know Jesus. Yeah, wow, wow. Yeah. Say that so, again. So if you know Jesus, it's easy. Yeah. It's, it's that yeah. loving with your heart, your soul, your mind, all that, very easy. That's a, that's a good answer too. And I think of this. When I got saved, and those who know me know the story, but when I gave my heart, when I said, Jesus, I'm an idiot, and I've not made any good choices, I've faked it, pretended it, um, I've done everything I know to do to try to be a good guy, but I've never been the right guy. I've been a good guy, but never the son, um, and I repent. And when I got to that place, the extraordinary part was being able to accept that I had let him down and that I had not measured up to my creative ability. Mm-hmm. And that was the extraordinary part. And then to the easy part was to say, now I can love you with everything I am and I never looked back. I've never looked back to the people that were. I've never looked back to what could have been. I've never considered what might have been had I never received Christ. 
I've never considered, would it have been better had I not? I've never, because I love him so much to be with him and spend time with him every day in my communion, driving down the road, when I'm reading my uh, scripture, when I'm not reading scripture, when I'm listening to a song. Literally yesterday, I took notes on my phone. I was driving down the road listening to a local station that's here, 107.7. And I was listening to that and a song came on by Bon Jovi. And then another song came on by um, um, another artist, um, trying to think of their name now. But anyway, two, two different, and, and I listened to both songs. And as I listened to each song, I made a note into my phone and I said, get the words to this and play this for the church soon, for both songs. Because I listened to how both of those songs really, if, if I were to say Bon Jovi, if I had played it to someone who did not know Bon Jovi and played that song and said, this man loves God, everyone would believe that because the words look like it. And same for this other young lady that I, listened to, that I took the notes for yesterday. And it'll come in a couple of weeks. I'll bring that in here. But as I listen to that, I think, you know, the, for the love of God, is it easy? And when we love Him, we come back to a place man, I can find him now in places I never knew he was. Let me say this real quick. Sometimes it's real hard to be a Christian, but it's real easy to love. Wow, wow. That's a great statement. Sometimes, does that make sense? I guess it makes total sense. Yes. He said sometimes it's hard to be a Christian, but it's really easy to love God, to love Jesus Christ, to love his son, to love the purpose. I filled in a little bit there, but it's real hard to be a Christian, and it is. That's such a great state. Well, you know what? I'm not going to answer that for you. Why would you say that, Kent? Well, because just living is hard to be a Christian sometimes, different things that happen in your life. But if you just stop and just reflect on Yahweh, you say, well, that's easy to love you, God. It's just, you just it doesn't require anything from you, really. Yeah. But it requires right. a lot to be a Christian. Right. You know? I, I don't know if I'm saying that the way I You're really saying it perfectly. To be a Christian, at least in our understanding of being a Christian, there's so many rules and hoops and laws that we've got to live by, so many l- dotted lines that we need to make sure that we sign every day and date. And we, it's, it's more, being a Christian is more like a contract. But loving God is relationship. And, um, and you're right. It, it's hard to be a Christian. I don't even ever really use that word anymore. It, for those of you, everybody here knows that I like to use the word believer because I more relate to that word. I'm a believer. I'm a son. I, I walk this out. And, and you're right. And it's been made so hard. And some of you that are watching right now, you may identify so very well with what Kent just said because everything about your life has been you're trying to line up with all these different things and just make sure you're reading all the right things and praying all the right prayers and being at all the right places at the right time. Can I encourage you today to one, really consider what he said and then two, to focus more on just talk to the Father. I want to tell you today, if you will talk to him, he will talk back to you. He wants to hear your voice and he wants you to hear his. And if you will talk to him, he will talk to you. And loving him, again, just as Kent said, it is really easy to do when you love him beyond the rules and the regulations and you love him for who he is. He did not create you to live 
within legalism. He created you to be an experience. He created you to be a demonstration. He created you to be a worshiper. And that encompasses all things. I was worshiping him listening to Bon Jovi yesterday. I'm telling you today, when you love him, it gets outside of the little rules and regulations and hymns and all the things that we do that are good, but not complete. And I'm able to find him in other places where he shows up. And it's amazing. That was wonderful. Um, so let me read 1 John chapter 2, uh, verse 15. And uh, this is what it says. It says, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Let me read it again. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. So anyone can answer this question I'm about to ask in the panel. How does this statement in 1 John impact our ability to do extraordinary things for the love of God? That's kind of a tough question. Let me ask it again. <laughs> Leave the verse on the screen so they can see it, please, on the back wall, because I want them to focus on this as I ask this question. How does this statement, this verse in 1 John, impact our ability to do extraordinary things for the love of God? Who wants to answer that? I think if you are one, if your heart is to do extra, extraordinary things for the love of God, you can't have a heart that loves the world. Mm -hmm. You have to have a heart that, that is after and seeking and yeah. running towards every single day with every choice, with every breath, towards the heart of the Father. So they're like oil and water. They don't, they don't fit together. Correct. Okay. That's, That's a good answer. I mean, because it can affect your priorities, too. And it's if good. your priority mm -hmm. is to seek the Father and, and do His will, then mm -hmm. other, all those other things will fall to the wayside. It's good. It's good. Yep. Anybody else? I see so much correlation to what you said about being Christian and loving Yahweh and how it's sometimes hard, easy to love Yahweh but hard to be a Christian. And I feel like that's the same thing where I love Yahweh, I honor Yahweh, I'm seeing Him and everything. And if I get boxed into what everyone else thinks I'm supposed to, the world thinks I'm supposed to be doing, mm -hmm. it doesn't, it doesn't exist together. Right. So you have to choose Yahweh and choose to see Him so that that isn't your focus mm -hmm. it isn't these are really good answers so let me ask you this Genevieve so in light of that I'm going off course here just a little bit a little rabbit trail but in light of this do not love the world or the things in the world if anyone loves the world the love of the Father is not in him and that does not blend well as Shaviv said that, and Jacob said and you said um, that does not blend well with doing extraordinary things what impact how do I ask this this is fluid for me as well, but how do I, uh, what impact does current technology, social media, etc., have on our ability to not love the world and to instead love the Father? How does that impact? Yeah, what, what do, how does that, does it float well with our ability to do extraordinary things? Sometimes there's confliction on how I, how I feel about it. I don't know the direct answer. I feel like it is a platform to show everyone my love for the Father, but then sometimes you can get caught up in things. So I don't know if I have 
an mm. answer for that, but I feel like that is something that... We need you to have an answer. <laughs> <laughs> I think it is something that we as believers have to navigate mm -hmm. so that we can have it in the right place and not not be boxed in with everyone else. Because mm -hmm. I do believe it is a platform for Absolutely. us to use, but how do you separate so that it's that platform that I want to look at and not everybody else? That's a good answer. I, I don't know. I'm probably like some of you that are watching online today. There's, I've, I've had and not had Facebook at least a half dozen times. <laughs> I've had and not had Instagram as many and Twitter. Um, and, and then I've had Instagram and Twitter and just had it and never used it. Um, so we go in and out of this, but part of the reason that I went from having to not having was because I got tired of some of the stuff that did not allow me to use it for extraordinary things. Uh, instead, as I began to focus on what was written there and I got caught up in other people's moments, um, it distracted me from why I wanted it in the first place. And uh, so it does have some impact on how we relate to that. So what would you say to that, Jacob? Um, well, it's a tool. It sounds like what she was saying, too. Um, and we're, I guess we're, it sounds like we're just trying to find some disruptive technology to kind of come up with some ideas right now. It's um, a tough question. I have, I have something to say to that. We um, talk oftentimes about getting outside of the walls. And I think that um, I love social media, if you don't know. <laughs> love it. <laughs> Just because I love people and I can talk to so many more people than who I see in this building. And I don't know a lot of times how I'm affecting them unless they message me. But the fact of the matter is I am who I am. I'm sending out my frequency, the truth that I believe, how I'm living my life, how I love my family, all those things. And if it wasn't for that, those people that I, on social media, they wouldn't know that. And I wouldn't be able to share that with them. So I, I like it for that reason. And you know, in reality, many of you that are watching right now are watching on a social media platform uh, and engaging with us today on that particular, uh, one of these particular platforms, wherever you might be watching from. And so there are, there are keys to it. But I thought I would throw that question in there simply because um, probably for Kent and I, more than the other three of you, we're of a different generation. And um, I would say older than y'all, but I'm going to use the word that is just in truth. You know, I got to deal in truth. We're just more mature. And um, so, but because of that, um, you know, it might not fit our world as well as it fits your world. And yet it's a part of our world. Yes. So... Um, I just thought I would throw that in there. I don't have the perfect answer to that either, except for, again, using it to do extraordinary things is one of the things I think that we're doing right now. I think there are people that are watching us right now. If it were not for that platform, you wouldn't even know we were here. And yet the words of this panel today that they have spoken to you, so many of you already, you have considered the words that they've said, and it's already changing your life because you're hearing how Christ worked in them. And now you're saying, hey... He's also working in me, and you're able to identify with that. So it's fantastic. So, Jacob, again, back to you. What does it mean to not love the world or the things in the world? It's to separate yourself whenever um, when the crowd is going one direction, you know, and the, and the Father's calling you to another, mm -hmm. you know, and, and that can look like a different things. It could be getting off of social media. It could be um, uh, when your friend's going out tonight and you're just, you know, the father's calling you to stay. He's like, no, I want you to stay with me tonight. You know, it could be 
two things. So that's what I'm thinking of right now. And, and here's, here's, and that's right. You're exactly right. Here's, here's the thing that I think of when I think of uh, how, what it means not to love the world or, or be in uh, the things in the world too, is that we need to be careful what we consider uh, not loving the world because I'm going to be honest with you. Can I just be frank? I'm going to be frank. And, and you can't answer online. You can text beside on the chat screen window, but I can't see that right now, so I don't know if you're being honest or not. But um, I'm going to tell you, I'm, I'm thankful for uh, indoor plumbing. I'm thankful for a toilet that's in the house. I'm thankful for toilets that are worldly. I'm not looking for anything else to use the bathroom in outside of a toilet that is worldly. It is in the world, and that is a part of the world go. I yes. am yes. thankful for. Yes. Yes. So this scripture doesn't mean don't love your toilet. It means love your indoor plumbing. Yes. I'm using this loosely so that it just makes sense to everybody. Love your indoor plumbing, but you don't become the plumbing. Don't become that place where everything gets flushed through. Love the world. If you love the world, the love of the Father is not in you. I hope that made sense. Genevieve, yes. what, if any, role does passion, passion have to do with doing extraordinary things for the love of God? Yes. I mean, it's a, it's a separator of everybody else and you. If you have passion for something, it isn't something that can be hidden. It isn't something right. that cannot be seen. It yes. isn't something that cannot be heard. If you have the passion in you, it drives you. Mm -hmm. It it allows you to go, you know, work two hours longer, even though you've worked 12 hours with everyone else and it's exhausting. Mm -hmm. It's just something that gives you momentum mm -hmm. that cannot be seen in someone who doesn't have passion. Good answer. It's an extraordinary thing, really, for some people just to get up on time. Right. <laughs> it's really, it's an extraordinary, you said people stay two hours longer. It's an extraordinary thing for them to even stay until the end of their shift. Right. That's an extraordinary thing for some people. And, and passion, if I love this thing, for, and remember this is about for the love of God, yes. if I love this thing, I'm going to, man, I'm pressed into this thing. And, and you, you can't keep me out of it. You can't stop me from engaging and from entering into this thing. Uh, Shavi, what does the writer of John mean by if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him? I think when you choose to love the world, you're making a choice to separate yourself from the love of Yahweh. Like, I don't think he, he's going to So love if I love my toilet, I don't love God? No, I'm just <laughs> <laughs> I'm not talking like that kind of world. I'm thinking like if you choose to... That's what I want you to define. Oh, okay. What kind of world, oh. what, is that, what kind of love of the world will separate us oh. from the Father and prevent us from doing extraordinary things? disobedience just you know disobedience will se will separate you and so making a choice if you used to go to eight seconds and go dancing and now he said don't go there anymore and you were like but i really really want to do that and if you choose to go that to that place he will you're separating yourself from his from mm -hmm. his love but if you say okay i really really like that place and it was really really fun and i had some friends there but i will obey i can show you what will happen i am 
I am what will happen, and it is amazing. Not, not, not to say like, not I am humble, whatever. But I'm just saying, I have a demonstration of what happens when yeah, you yeah, separate you yourself from yes. the love of the world. Yeah, everyone yeah. on this panel, everybody yeah. is. So I just think that when you want to see what happens when you separate yourself from the love of the world and you and you're full of the love of Yahweh, this is it right here. All wow. the churches here, wow. all the churches. Wow, that's a good answer. That's extraordinary things, and, and I want to tell you, as we wrap this up this morning, I want to, I want to say, first of all, I want to thank all of you. Yes. I want to thank you so much um, for you know, just being as fluid as you are, being open, being honest, um, being willing to be raw uh, and in the moment, yes. and uh, I put you out there, and you engaged, and you, you responded incredibly well. And when I, when I think of all the ways uh, that we do extraordinary things for the love of God, that's measured differently for all of us because I, I want everyone watching, I want you to understand this morning that the extraordinary thing, what might be an extraordinary thing to me might really be simple to you. And what might be simple to me might be an extraordinary thing to you. So we need to be careful that when we ask and we expect of one another, and we, we, or we put somebody in a position to respond to things exactly the way we do, keep in mind that though it might be a journey that you've already walked through, they might just beginning, be beginning. And again, it's simple to you now, like repentance, like Shaviv addressed earlier, loving God, like Ken addressed earlier, different ones. When you get to this place, we need to keep in mind what we're expecting of other people because what's extraordinary to you might not be so to them in this way when Yahweh asked his son and he asked because if it wasn't a question there would be no reason for obedience if it was imposed upon him there would have been no opportunity for him to say if there's anybody else let this cup pass from me nevertheless it's not my will but your will be done I'm submitting myself and my will to yours so it was not imposed upon him it was requested of his son would you be willing to die for these people while in every single way um, Christ made that decision the father would never ask that of you and me that decision has been made it is not going to be made again and we need to be careful that we understand what extraordinary things mean in light of each of us as individuals. So wherever you are, wherever you're watching from this morning, whatever platform you're watching on this morning, first of all, I want you to know that we will do, and you will do, and you can do extraordinary things for yes. the love of God. As each of them have addressed in so many different ways, passion and love and, and the, the challenges, we leave our family, we leave our friends, and all the different ways that things were mentioned here. Mm -hmm. I want to encourage you today. Uh, consider consider the ways that first Christ loved you and then consider how in return you can honor him with where you are today um, it's okay if I appreciate the things that exist in the world because it's there by the anointing of God nothing is created that he did not give an anointing to to be created it was created because he authorized it. So if it is, it has an intent that in its seed form represented honor. In its seed form, it represented respect. In its seed form, it represented an anointing. 
Now, what came out of that seed or how that plant was groomed, there are so many hybrid plants that we have today. And I am an owner of uh, Labrador Retrievers. Uh, we have two of them. One of them is an American lab. Another one is an English lab. Each of them were bred different ways. Neither of them are the original seed of a Labrador because there is no such thing. A Labrador Retriever never was. It was, a, it was created by crossbreeding many different breeds until they came to that particular breed. Domesticated dogs, any domesticated dog, never was. All of them were crossbred. The original seed was very different. What they become, whether it is a um, pit bull or it is a Labrador or it is a Chihuahua, whatever it might be, not a Chihuahua, those were a mistake, what it, something else, but whatever else it was. I'm just kidding. If you own a Chihuahua, I'm sorry, but in its original tent, it honored the father. And at some point, all the things that we do, if we can look back again and in an extraordinary way look back at ourselves, look in the mirror today and look at yourself and ask yourself, one, in what ways do you beat yourself up? In what ways do you tell yourself you're unworthy? In what ways do you tell yourself that you cannot approach the throne of God? In what ways do you tell yourself that He will never listen to your voice? In what ways have you convinced yourself or let others convince you that he didn't die for you, he died for everyone but you because he knew how pathetic you were? In what ways have you convinced yourself that that is a truth? Do an extraordinary thing today for the love of God. Look into that mirror and look into your face and tell yourself that everything that is opposed to the purpose and the original intent of God about, uh, intent of God about you is null and void. Everything opposed to that falls dead to the ground today so that the words and the Spirit of Christ can rise up in you and cause you today to extraordinarily love Him again in exactly the same way that He loved you. I bless you today and I'm thankful today that you have come to be a part of what the Father is doing right here at the Rock of Central Florida. Sitting here with me, Kent Craig, Shaviv Padgett, Genevieve Glasgow, and Jacob Hyde, Sitting here with me today, we poured out our heart. We release to you today that that the, that the Father has put in us. Mm-hmm. My hope is that you have received, not only from this, but from the worship that preceded our sitting here on this panel today, but that you have received every part and portion. I encourage you, share this message with everybody you know. Share it on your social media platform. Here again is another opportunity for social media to do something that is extraordinary let others hear the word and spirit of in raw form of how the father is changing lives these people are changed today i'm changed today you are changed today and if you've not yet been changed let today be the first day of the most significant change that will ever come to you I bless you today, and Father, I lift my voice over the people watching. I give thanks today. If in any viewer today there is any sense that they are separated from you, I lift my voice and I ask that one, that two, whoever you are today, I'm asking you today to simply ask the Father to forgive you. Do that extraordinary thing right now because you love Him. You have come to love Him. Ask Him to forgive you. 
He will, he will, and probably already has. So ask him to forgive you today. And Father, I pray for them. I pray for every listener. I pray for every watcher today. And I ask that you will continue to change us until we completely and fully and totally conform to who you are. Let this mind, let this heart, let this body, let every part of who we are today be transformed into the likeness of Christ for the glory of God in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, and amen. I bless you today. Thank you for being a part. We look forward to next week. We will also uh, be having a panel uh, that will be here. It will be a different panel. We will be addressing the love of God, but a different subject. I encourage you to tune in, invite others to join you on the live stream, and we look forward to it. Men's meeting this Thursday night. Love you. Bless you.